Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and the most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb, I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business, and you, my friend, know the real truth. Whatever the business magazines and all those MBA instructors say, the world of business is not solved by a recipe. Weekly, hourly, you are faced by tough decisions, tough, tough calls that make a very real difference to your career and to your company, for which there are really no cut-or-dry answers. You know that. You, you think, you muster your experience and your gut instinct, and, well, you give it your best shot. Well, this very day, we're going to test your decision-making metal with some very real, very difficult, and actual business decisions faced by individuals who are meshed in their firms, and I am going to give you the story then I'm going to lay out some considerations, and we'll pause, and I would ask, what will you do? And then uh, you can kind of match it up because I'm going to tell you the decision that the uh, real business person made, and we'll see, and how well it worked out, <laughs> for better or real. Anyway, so pack up your intellect, shift your commercial acumen, gray cells into high gear, and let's see how you can solve these toughest of business calls. Number one, I call it taking the reins. Here's how it runs. You are the CEO. You're in your, you have a million things on your mind, and without a knock, a board member pushes open your door, comes in with a CFO in tow, looks you straight in the eye, and walks up to your desk and says, okay, Greg, do we do that IPO or not? Now, uh, I, need to, I need to know. Now, you've got a personal opinion of this board member, uh, and you also know your status with the board. You're the head of the company, and let's get very real. This is a subtle battle of power. He's interested in, in whether you're going to do an initial public offering, but he is just as interested in, in his own power versus yours. And another consideration is that you need uh, growth capital. You know you need it. You're expanding. You're doing well. But there's no clear-cut neon arrow pointing to the initial public offering as the sole course. You know, it doesn't work that way. You need, you have been thinking, but you need time to examine it. And you're, that's, and that's fine. But your board member is saying to you, "Hey, tell me, Greg, yes or no? I need to know now." All right, my friend. What would you do? How would you answer? Well, here's what Greg did. For a moment, he looks up and to the left and thinks in silence, making them wait. Pauses. And then he announces that an IPO is indeed the right way to go, but and at this point, Greg turns to the board member and he praises him. He says, "He says, um, Dave, uh, you know the IPO mechanism 
better than anyone else. You know this, and I was wondering if you could ask around, get a few of those brokerage houses that you know so well who could lead us through it. You know our kind of people, uh, says he with a wink. Then he turns to the CFO uh, and says, Sally, what I need you to do to make, to make this thing work slickly, check into a reverse merger for us. And for those who don't know, a reverse merger is when uh, one firm teams up with another firm that already has uh, a standing in, this, in the stock exchange, and it allows them to move move in using that uh, merger. Anyway, uh, he said, particularly check out that, that ADR company that's been nosing around us for a long time. Get them. And, then, and here's what we're going to do. I think we'll meet back here within five days. That's Tuesday. We'll hammer out a good proposal. We'll take it to the board, and we'll have something solid to present to them. So what has he done here? That was, that was Greg's decision. What did Greg do here? It was, he made a, cons- a tight conspiratorial team out of what was originally three fractured, a set of three fractured individuals. And he did that very, very well. Uh, did, the, did the merger work well? Uh, you'll, have to, you'll have to tune in next week and find out. <laughs> we'll see when we, when we have Greg back on the show. All right. Now, number two, uh, the second tough business call. This I call a moral dilemma, and as so much of morality is today, it is truly a gray area. Think about this. You are a CEO, and you, uh, you're, on a, you're making a trip to basically woo your, your main client. And you're, you're heading to Paris, France. Now, you have specially flown this client uh, from Italy back uh, in for this meeting. You're, uh, and you've flown to France. The client uh, comes in and he appears with a gorgeous lady at his side, whom he introduces only by her first name. <laughs> and you sit down over dinner and you begin to talk business. And shortly afterwards, this lovely lady stands up and excuses herself. And you both nod and say thank you very much and, and so forth. And and as she, um, when she is safely out of the room. Your client smilingly turns to you with a nod and a wink and uh, says uh, that this is his mistress and uh, with sort of the understanding that the relationship is fiscal as well as physical. And you you nod, you say, well, each man to his own appetites and so forth and so on. But then at the evening's end, uh, he asks for you to pay for her ticket uh, back to his home city of Florence, Italy. So the question is, do you do it? Hmm. And as a consideration, think of a couple of things. Because uh, you know that the price of this ticket is a pittance compared with the revenue that you're going to receive from this client that you've just forged out right now. And so would you pay for this woman because of her position? And here's another consideration. Would you, as a courtesy, buy that same ticket if he brought along his wife and sent her back? Anyway, my friend, Mr. CEO of the moment, what would you do? Hmm. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you 
what the, uh, the CEO in this case, and I'm certainly not going to give you his name, did pay for the ticket with utterly disastrous results. He went back, bought the deal. The board thought it was wonderful. And within two months, he's sitting in his office, and a board member comes to his door. Actually, it was the chairman of the board. Um, came to his door with two security men at his side, and he was, in essence, invited to leave immediately. They said, you are fired. You are asked. You are to turn over all your keys. You can take up your personal effects, and out you go. It was that abrupt. This was an American engineering firm. The board said they were outraged at his behavior, paying for this sort of person, and they were terribly upset at his lack of morality, as they called it, and they basically put him out. How dare he? Well, the CEO accepted the termination. He had to, of course, but he thought about this, and he used it as a turning point for his life. He developed a consultancy and uh, on the side that became actual full career form, it dealt with inspiring both business ethics and leadership abilities. And it had the tagline of, you cannot lead others until you lead yourself. Now, I'm not going to make any judgment on whether he should or should not have paid for this woman. That is because that is your call. I know my own. Uh, but there is something to be said for making up your own principles and operating by them. It is, it's indeed a tough call. If you have just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. floats merrily over the shimmering waves of miasmic cyberspace where you may listen and download all this and all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And as an added avenue, you may also enjoy all our shows on C-Suite Radio Station. We are proud members of C-Suite Radio where the sound, where the sound waves and sound solutions of business come straight to you from the top. So just visit all our Art of the CEO episodes on csuiteradio.com. And moving on, we are going to come to uh, another tough business call. And this is less of a call than a reaction that's called for. I'm titling this tough business call, The Lowest Blow. You are called into the office and you are being terminated, totally out of the blue. There's nothing to do with the last one. I don't know why it just, just happens that way. Uh, there's no venom. There's no con personal confrontation. Uh, your boss says, Charlie, you are out. Now, Charlie is about a lower, mid-level um, administrative slash managerial uh, person. And Charlie instantly looks up and, and asks why. Um, and here comes the response, and this is, this, is the, this is the tough part right here. Charlie, you're not intelligent enough for this job. Now, there's a slug. It, it, that's about the harshest. That's one of the harshest assessments anyone can make of you. It's, it's not like a skills. It's not, oh, you're not a team player. You, you don't know uh, how to do C++. Or you're, 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 it's, you're too dumb for this work, Bozo. 
and you can't ignore this. You have to do something, for, for really for your own sanity's sake. And this happened to a, a great quote, Charlie, that I know. And he realized the solution has to be emotional as well as practical. What would you do? How would you react and handle this for yourself? Well, um, Charlie, in the end, did really nothing. He, of course, left, and he ended up taking a lower-paying, much less demanding job. In a sense, he accepted his boss's work for it. Now, he did do one thing, I will say, that was correct, and that was he assessed uh, this boss um, and her treatment of others. And as it turned out, that this was an individual case. This was she. She was not one of these people who was overly impressed with herself and thought of the world as peons. This this was someone who had made it. It was her personal assessment of him. Nonetheless, that's all it was. Uh, one individual's. And Charlie might have shattered. Uh, well, bolstered his shattered ego, let's put it that way, by participating in some activity that expressed his strength. I think we all need to do this. We all take blows like this that are very harsh and question our, our own validation of ourselves. And we have to come back from them by finding our own strengths. This, this, was, uh, this was a sad one, but it is, it is one which I hope many of us can learn and, uh, and, and take heart as well. Uh, number four, uh, we are moving up to the, the fourth one, and this one, this tough business call, I am calling getting included on the deal. Now, the story is specific, but the situation is common. Uh, many of you listening here, you, you've made a proposal to those in power, to your boss, to your board, to the department head, the, and the proposal includes a nice leadership position for you as the inventor, as the creator of the proposal. That's, that's, you deserve it. What the heck? Well, here's how this story goes. We're going to call him Buck. I'll tell you the real name afterwards. But for now, we'll call him Buck. And Buck was a writer who poured out his heart and his considerable talent into writing a marvelous movie script. It was everything about his his, his utmost intellect and emotion he put into this. He shopped it around, but uh, Buck was a really a complete unknown in the film writing field, and he scarcely ever got a hearing. And uh, But he kept at it. He was persistent. He didn't stop. And after many, many lean months, one major studio reads Buck's script, and they fall in love with it. They, they want to produce it. They think it's great. Buck... Uh, his agent calls him on the phone. My favorite client. They absolutely love it. They want you to produce it right now. They want to get busy filming. They want to cast. Uh, they, but, but Buck, of course, you know that bit about your insistence on playing the lead. Well, Bucky, you know, they're just not buying that. I mean, they need a big name. As you know, Brad Pitt is dollars at the box office. You, you understand. But, but you're going to make a lot of money from this script, and I'm sure they will want other scripts and follow-ups and sequels. This is your big chance, Bucky. Pop the champagne cork. Go for it. Buck pauses, takes the good news and the bad, clutches the manuscript to his hands, 
And he says, Mr. Agent, I'll give you an answer in the morning. He goes home, he talks it over to his wife, and calls in his response. All right, my friend, you've got great possibilities, not complete. What would you do? How would you answer? Well, <laughs> to give you a hint, Buck's real name was Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> And yes, Sylvester said, I'm sorry, you cannot do the, uh, this uh, movie script called Rocky unless I play the lead. They hand and they haunt, and, and through many machinations uh, too long to go through here, they did accept him as the lead. He sold it, and of course, it has turned out that they, we are now into Rocky 217, I believe, and it has done wonders for him, and he has his own statue on the Philadelphia Museum of Fine Arts top, Step Tops, uh, a rare <laughs> and I believe a unique honor for, for anyone uh, in this uh, century. But nonetheless, he made, he made the tough choice. He could have gone either way and probably would have had some success. The, the, again, it comes back to the choice being how much do you want and how much are you willing to risk. So coming up, uh, we are about to challenge your business decision-making a little further with more real situations, with one in family business, one for a sprawling online enterprise, and, and more, more. But right after, you and I take a brief sorbet from today's Feast of Wisdom as uh, we offer you, well, a few utensils for today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, may I remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you look at one other career that you have a talent for and that you would enjoy? And just put that option in the back of your mind. Or... Will you continue to convince yourself that there is only one job you can earn your daily, from which you can earn your daily bread, and I better stick with it? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense your yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. And I thumb through it as we speak. It's a handy little copy. All right, here we go. Number 68. <clears throat> This is, this is said by a mythical but exasperated CEO. Frankly, Scarlett, I don't care if your strategy is disruptive, innovative, or which side of the box it lands on. How much will it increase our earnings? <laughs> and as an afterthought to that little quippe, uh, yes, coworkers do need to be encouraged to conjure up and pl uh, with any plan that bears fruit. But being outlandish or original or unsettling are not necessarily indicators of a bumper crop. And if you smirk about that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit BartsBooks.com, pick up your copy of 102 or the 101 Best Business Quips book, and your agile tongue will flood your fellow chain gangers at work with a tsunami of adopted wit limiting their days. <laughs> and as a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon to you the answer to last week's business quotation, that is, the name of the individual who said, for a list of all the ways technology has failed to improve the quality of life, please press, press three. <laughs> I love 
that. Those words are spoken by none other than the San Francisco Examiner's prime sage and witty columnist, Alice Kahn. Congratulations to all your winners, and stick with us, because later on in the show, Blurting Your Way, comes another enriching quotation, and if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and email it right off to info at artsbooks.com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And before we return to testing your business IQ with more tough business calls, allow me to introduce you to the company by whose good graces we are here today, and that firm is Prometheus Publishing. And this week, the folks at Prometheus, instead of telling you about one of their enlightening volumes, they would proudly like to announce their Prometheus Awards. Now, for those of you who remember your Greek mythology, Prometheus was the ancient Greek titan who defied the gods and brought to humankind the gift of fire. From that light onward, there was no going back. And today, Prometheus is trying to celebrate with the Prometheus Awards. They're trying to recognize those exceptional individuals who, by their personal example and their inventive enterprises, enrich the human community and shed some light into our world. Right now, Prometheus Publishing is conducting a call for nominations, so if you know an individual, some idealist, who is putting his or her creative sweat and energy into a project that is helping and bettering some corner of the human community, we invite you to share their rays of hope and nominate them as a candidate for the Prometheus Awards. Simply visit bartsbooks.com, click on the Bet Businesses Best tab, and fill out the brief form. On September 19th at the Hennessy Manson of Fairleigh Dickinson University, home of the Rothman Institute for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, we will be holding those awards appropriately, and we will be honoring the most outstanding of these enterprising contributors. And so if you'd like to find out more about the dinner and how you, you and your firms may meet and even sponsor one of these amazing individuals, just contact us at info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. Now, with utensils in hand, my friend, join me as we reenter the chaotic business melee and see just how you would answer the top business calls. What would you decide? Now, this is... Number five, and I call this one a matter of honor. And this one, this is the case where Mark Twain, that is Samuel, Samuel Clemens, faced bankruptcy. Sam had spent three long years working on an incredible, with an uh, incredibly intelligent inventor, I might add, um, and a great deal of his own personal money, for, uh, virtually all of it, and this man's genius together, voila, they brought forth an absolutely top-of-the-line, new, innovative printing press, unequaled as it was. But fate does not always favor the sharp-witted, and this unequaled machine's pinnacle lasted a mere three months, uh, after which the offset press swiftly followed on its heels. Sam's uh, invention was worthless. His printer was, was worth, not worth a dime. Long story short, Samuel Clemens faced an empty cash drawer and a long line of creditors. Now, his accountant and attorney met with the world's greatest humorist and said, Sam, if we sell all the assets, uh, we've worked out a way that we can pay our creditors 10 cents on the dollar. What would you do? How would you handle this bankruptcy? 
Well, I'm going to tell you, this is something that, quite frankly, puts presidents to shame. And I am so proud to announce that Mr. Mark, that Mark Twain, Mr. Samuel Clemens, says no. We are going to pay 100 cents on the dollar, and this kicked off a worldwide speaking tour in which, he, in which Mark Twain lived out of a suitcase. He spoke incessantly, made a crushing schedule, and took every single – all the money he could aboard that he didn't use to eat and travel. He paid back his creditors every single cent. I wish that our world leaders could take heart and – uh, live by that example, and he was the one. This so this is when he came on. It was on this trip, by the way, that Mark Twain said, "I believe God created man because he was disappointed in the monkey. Now he's disappointed in both." <laughs> so there you have it, my friend. Um, and now uh, let's move on to another challenge. This this one is very personal. I call this all in the family, uh, and. I'm just going to plunge right into this story. Uh, the first call came about two weeks ago. Harvey, I know I've been a client only a short time, but and I, but I slide a lot of business across your counter, and I just have to tell you, the woman who you have at that desk is supposed to be taking care of me. Well, she's very short. I, I mean, abrupt to the point of being really rude, um, and she even started insulting one of my guys. Now, not long after a second call came in, lodging the same complaint same to the, about the same woman, finally the third one this morning had come in suggesting that, uh, he, that he fire her. In each case, Harvey fielded these calls with the same line. <laughs> You'll love this. Well, my friend, I can't exactly just toss her out. You see, she is my wife. And she owns half the business, and she owns a lot more than half of me. But I will indeed speak to her. <laughs> so now uh, consider this uh, before we ask, ask for your, your action. Um, Harvey's wife had been behind the counter for years. No complaints, and all the customers had always loved her. This was a recent phenomenon. Number two, Harvey – also knew that business was increasing. Actually, quite frankly, clients were overflowing through the doors. And his wife, Jenny, was really doing it all. She met the customers, handled them, got them straight, set up their schedule. Um, but then, then they would log in in the book and the register. She was doing the, uh, the initial accounting and bookkeeping for all of this as well. She didn't have five minutes to sit down and chat openly with some customer, much as she would have loved to. She just didn't. So Harvey's – so my friend, what would you do? Well, here's what Harvey did. I love his solution. He decided to, as in his own words, kick myself and my wife upstairs. He and Jenny semi-retired, so they thought, uh, into becoming managers. And he found out because Harvey was the back, back room man making everything happen back there. And he found out that he was not irreplaceable. He hired people in, um, and rather than have you know have, his hand, have both sweat and management together, he hired a person in. And as he recalls, you know, 
the first year I was uh, I stood back and managed and let someone else do the work. We doubled our revenue in one year in that department. Uh, why try to work the revenue? Well, frankly, uh, Harvey had time to think, and his wife was a lot happier too. <laughs> and thereby <laughs> ends a tale. So. Uh, I'm afraid we're we're coming to the end. Uh, well, actually, we have. I, let me just see if I can squeak in one one more quick one. We'll do it. We'll do it real quick. Uh, this one is number seven. It's called "Oh How Long, My Lord," and I'll I'll get right into it. It was called Senior Center. It was a website that uh, proffered for those over 60 years of age. A full range of advice, of specialized products, retirement accommodations, options, entertainment, even dating, and the whole thing for seniors. It couldn't miss. It was supplying the huge baby boomer population. It was serving the needs of people who often had the height of their disposable income and, and were facing some major life changes. So Ted and Josie launched Senior Center. And it was an instant hint, hit, at least judging by the viewer hits to the website, Readers flocked to their little magazine and filled with personal articles on health, financial tips, funds, plans, but no, no sales. Sales were slow, and they remained slow, and no, people were not taking ads, and they couldn't get revenue generating out of it. They tried to adjust this content. They tried to adjust that. Finally comes a big break, and a major magazine says they want to put their content in the in this website and, and it would uh, and they would donate they would give it to them for free provided it would and it's a uh, publicity for them uh, this said Josie is surely going to get people to the site they'll flock to it and of course then they'll buy the products and take the ads Ted in 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 short solution what would you do well Ted said, look, it's been six years, the same site, same product, same market. It would be expensive to adjust the website to take in, the, in this new people. And making our content, uh, mixing it with nationally proven content, it frankly, is just not going to do it. It's one more iteration of what we are already doing. So at this point, uh, Ted convinced Josie they closed the site, they declined the offer. And as they said, it's the same old cake with just new icing, and no one wanted the cake originally. So we did our best. That was our shot. They closed it. All right. Sometimes that is the, that it turned out to be a very wise move for them both. So uh, we have several more. Unfortunately, we'll have to uh, run the run our next ones on a later show. We have uh, just a little bit, and it's now time to round out today's feast of wisdom and. Uh, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. There are two kinds of companies, those who work to change more and those who work to change less. We will be the first kind of company. And as a hint, the person who said this, this was a person with a net worth of $148 billion recently rated as the world's richest person for 2019. And if you know the author of this quote, you can borrow money from him, or you can just uh, write the author's name down as you believe him or her to be, and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, it is indeed a shame that too many people from all nations view the American dream as hinging on the ability to purchase the next iPhone upgrade. 
Alas. And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you.